All right, well, it's good to be with you guys today. My name's Kevin. I'm one of the pastor elders here at Anthem Camarillo. And today's a little bit different of a day for us. Normally on Sundays, we're gathering outdoors at the Bococks or at the Bakers or at the Greens, uh, and we're engaging in different areas, celebrating Jesus as we work through our normal Sunday morning. But this Sunday is a little bit different. It's the last Sunday of the month, and we are wanting to continue to provide opportunity for more of us to be able to be together if you're able. And so on the last Sundays of the month, we're going to be gathering outside of the Baptist Church on Temple at 4.30 p.m. And what we're doing is we're coming together for prayer, we're coming together for worship, and we're coming together to share testimony together. This is an incredible opportunity for us to see one another, to rejoice together, to celebrate what God is doing together. This Sunday in particular, we're going to be focusing in on a couple areas of prayer, of renewal, revival, and even repentance. We're going to be pressing in on these areas together, and we want to invite you to come join us and be a part of it. If you happen to be perhaps older or immunocompromised, there are a few parking spaces that are also available that you can come and you can park, roll down your windows, and be a part of what we're doing that day as well. And so come join us 4.30 uh, as we worship pray, and give testimony of the good things that God is doing. So that's one of the things that's unique about what's going on on Sunday. Uh, but the other thing that's happening today, as you're about to see, is uh, my Uncle Steve is actually going to be teaching. My uncle turned 70 last week, and my uncle just has an incredible legacy of preaching the Word of God. He's the guy that I actually sat under growing up, and I'm so thankful to have the opportunity for him to speak into our community as we continue to work our way through 1 Peter together. So without any further ado, I'm going to hand it over to my Uncle Steve to lead us through our time in 1 Peter together. I want to thank Kevin and the elders of Anthem Cam for giving me the privilege of sharing God's word with you. I'm so excited. I just had my 70th birthday, and yet I'm still learning and growing in the truth of God's Word. And so I'm excited to share with you some of the wisdom that God has given to me. You know, 1 Peter is such an important book for where we are in our lives today. We feel like our security blankets have been pulled out from under us, and everything is so unsteady. We feel like we have a perpetual earthquake going on and we don't even know when it's going to stop. Well, this is exactly the situation that was facing the people that people, Peter was writing to. Peter was hoping to help them to do what he's helping us to do, which is to get our eyes off of our circumstances and put them on the truth of God's word and the faithfulness of God. Paul called this walking by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. I think it's so important to see the contrast between walking by faith, fixing your eyes on things you can't see. I can't see God. I can't see Jesus Christ. I can't see the Holy Spirit. But I know he is faithful and his word is truth. So when I fix my eyes on that, I have a peace that passes understanding. On the other hand, if I fix my eyes on the circumstances of today, my whole life and my heart just gets filled up with anxiety and with fear. So today, Peter is going to help us learn to do something very simple. How do you live every day? 
What are the things that you need to do every day in order to stay on the path that God has for your life? Our passage is 1 Peter 1, 17 through 21. And I know a lot of you normally don't take notes, but I'd love to ask you to get a notebook and paper and take some notes because I'm going to be sharing a number of important scriptures that are going to be important for your life. So let's read 1 Corinthians or 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 17 through 21. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with precious things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in our times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. The basis for the challenge that Peter is going to give us is found in verse 17. And if I could summarize it very simply, it would be, accountability is coming. Here's what Peter says in verse 17. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear according to the time of your exile. Peter is bringing up something that needs to be in your mind and in my mind every day. And that's that God is going to hold us accountable for how we've lived during our stay on this earth. We human beings are designed to be motivated by accountability. I don't know if you had a teacher do this, but it was actually a fairly unwise thing to do. She would say, oh, this won't be on the test. Well, the minute she said that, my pencil went down, my hands went behind my head, I got this big smile on my face, and I just sat back because I realized I don't need to pay attention to anything she's saying because it won't be on the test. See, I'm motivated by accountability. If I know that I'm going to be tested on something, I'm going to study. If I think it's not, I don't really have the motivation to, to follow through with it. So here's the truth. And I'm going to share with you a couple of scriptures that will help you see this. The truth is that every believer is going to stand personally before Jesus Christ and give an account for his life. This, by the way, is not the great white throne judgment where a person's eternal destiny is going to be in view. See, that's already been taken care of at the cross. This is so cool. Jesus died, and on the cross, he took the penalty that I should have gotten at the great white throne judgment. So for me, my great white throne judgment happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ died for my sins. So right now, my sins past, present, and future are taken care of. And the only thing I look forward to on the coming of Jesus is not the fear of standing before him at the great white throne judgment, but the joy of seeing my Savior face to face. But we still are going to face judgment. And I want to share with you a couple of scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Paul says, For whether we are home or away, 
We make it our aim to please him. Paul says, I don't care if I'm here in the body or if I'm away from the body and present with the Lord. I have the same passion in life, and that's to please Jesus Christ. Why? Verse 10, for which must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, the ESV puts evil there. I think a better translation of that word evil is actually worthless because our sins are not going to be in view in this judgment. They've already been forgiven by God. So what is going to be in view is how we have invested our life and the resources that God has entrusted us. Have we done good things with that investment or have we done worthless things? with those resources that he's entrusted to you. Paul had a passion to please Christ. And one of the reasons was his accountability, but there's another reason later on in verses 14 and 15 of chapter five. He says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died. And he, Jesus, died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So one of the great motivations for Paul for pleasing Christ is, wow, I have never been loved like Jesus Christ loved me. And the second motivation was that principle of accountability. We're going to be held accountable for our lives. Now, the scriptures all the way through consistently teach the principle of accountability. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, the parable of the talents, where one man was given five talents, one man was given two talents, and another man was given one talent. These are measures of wealth. It doesn't really matter what they are. But the point is, the owner of his farm or his vineyard entrusted to each man a certain amount of resource. And the point that this parable is teaching is at the end, the man returns and he holds his servants accountable for how they have discharged the stewardship of their talents. Paul's passion was to hear Jesus say to him, well done, good and faithful servant. He also, Paul talked about accountability in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, when he talked about the fact that we can use different materials In building our lives, we can use good materials or we can use worthless materials. Paul says this, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Notice, by the way, the difference between those two categories of materials. One category of materials is non-flammable. Wood, hay, and straw is exactly the opposite. It's incredibly flammable. So he goes on to say in verse 12 now, Each man's work will show it. For the day will disclose it. Each, excuse me, let me start that again. Each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If that work which anyone has built on the foundation of Jesus Christ survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. 
The picture is that our lives are a building. The foundation of our building is Jesus Christ. That's why no matter what happens in this particular judgment, which is actually a judgment for rewards, whatever happens in this judgment, I'm going to be saved. So my salvation isn't the issue here. But Paul is saying there are some whose work after being tested by the fire of Jesus Christ, their work is going to remain and they will receive reward. Now I want you to picture yourself standing before Jesus Christ. You're surrounded by all of the believers throughout history and your, your building is there before Christ and Jesus looks at it with the eyes of fire, the eyes of judgment. And all of a sudden, everything becomes revealed. All of the stuff that you did that was worthless. What's worthless stuff? It's stuff you did in this world with no motive of bringing glory to God. Now you see, your job can either be something that brings glory to God or can just be something that you get a paycheck for. If all you're doing it is to get the paycheck, what's going to happen is all of that effort you put in is going to be burned up. If you've done it to bring glory to God, that work is going to remain. So the focus is not what you do, but it's why you do it and in whose power are you doing it. And the point that Paul is making is that there are some of us who are going to have our entire lives burned up and we're going to have absolutely nothing to offer Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I hope this scares you because it scares me. Because God looks at my heart and he is evaluating the things that I do, not by the outward manifestation of what I do, but, but my heart as I do it. So here's the truth. Your day, your life, your week, your month, everything that you do is building something onto the building of your life. And you are going to be held accountable for how you've lived. Now, in verse 17, the last part, Peter goes to the challenge. He says, I want you to conduct yourself with fear during the time of your stay or your sojourn on earth. The fear Peter is talking about here speaks of a more careful, intentional approach to life. And I want to give you an illustration. Some of you might love football. Some of you might love baseball. It doesn't really matter. Let's say you're, you're a football player, and for the first time in your career, you have made the Super Bowl. You've worked your entire life through peewee football and, and high school football and college football. You've made it to the pros. You've made it on a team. And now, next Sunday, a week from Sunday, you're going to the Super Bowl. Now, let's say somebody comes to you and says, hey, uh, I got some friends in motorcycles. We're going to go out into the desert and go dirt biking. You want to join us? I suspect you'd say, are you crazy? I'm going to the Super Bowl. I'm not going to take a chance on messing up my opportunity to do something great. You see, do you understand what's going on? There's an element of, of fear in the excitement. I don't want to mess up my opportunity. I want to make the most of it. My guess is that guy who is preparing for the Super Bowl or the World Series or the U.S. Open would be watching what he eats, watching how he sleeps, being careful of his exercise, doing everything so that on that day he would be ready for the challenge. 
That's the kind of fear Peter is talking about. It's not fear that God's going to get me or God's going to be angry with me for not doing things right. It's the fear I have been loved so greatly. I want to make sure I'm responding in a manner that is in an equal footing with that love that I've been given. So what does it mean to conduct yourself in fear? I want to read to you a couple of scriptures and talk about what it means to live your life intentionally. Intentionally means you don't just blunder carelessly through your day, wake up and you go through it and watch a couple of shows, get some work done and say, oh, that's a pretty good day. Intentional living is living every day in light of where you're going. Let me share with you a couple of scriptures. Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your opportunities because the days are evil. Paul is saying we have a limited window of opportunity and I want you to live carefully every day to make the most of those opportunities. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. He says, The end of all things is near, therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Again, you see this theme running throughout Scripture. We don't have time to be sleepy, to be... Uh, not paying attention. We have to be at our very best. He says, your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of sufferings are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. So I want to give you one, two, three, four, five suggestions for living intentionally. Number one, intentionally invest time on a regular basis to build God's word into your life. Number two, beware of the media that you consume. You guys, so often, if we just sit down watching TV, we don't even realize what's happening, but we are being taught a philosophy, whether it's on the internet, on YouTube, on network TV, on Netflix, it doesn't matter where it is, they are promoting a philosophy. And the more you absorb that, the more you are creating mental battles for yourself. So if you want to live intentionally, be careful of the media that you're allowing to come into your life. Third, learn to pre-think through your day, your week, and your month to look for opportunities and landmines. An opportunity is a great opportunity for the kingdom of God to move forward. A landmine is kind of a hidden danger. And so often we don't see dangers coming because we're not anticipating things. We're just kind of moving through the day without any sense of being proactive or anticipating what might come. So learn to see things developing so that you can proactively it's going to sound funny, proactively react to them in a way that's going to show wisdom. Fourth, keep evaluating your life in terms of eternal priorities. Or as the business cliche says, keep the main thing the main thing. 
Always evaluate, okay, what's going on today, but evaluate it in light of the fact that Jesus is coming again. Finally, invite someone of wisdom to help you grow in your love and effectiveness as a child of God, a husband, a wife, a parent, a child, an employee, or an employer. In other words, get outside input into your life. You know, one thing I've noticed about blind spots is I don't see them. I guess if I saw them, they wouldn't be a blind spot, right? But you know what? If you give me 10 minutes, I can spot your blind spots a mile away. It's always easier to see areas of growth in other people than it is, than it is in ourselves. And that tells me I need some people in my life who can reveal the blind spots to me and I can reveal blind spots to them. So invite people into your life to give you that, that wisdom that can only come from other people. So let's go on. People, Peter's ultimate motivation, like Paul, goes back to the love of Christ. Verses 18 through 20. Knowing that you were not ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, you were, were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with the perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown in the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Um, this is amazing. This little word, uh, the ESV calls it ransomed. Uh, the New American Standard calls it redeemed. It all comes from the same Greek word, which is lutrao. I'm going to give you a little Greek lesson. Lutrao comes from luo, which means to release. Uh, it's the idea of being set free from prison or being set free as a, a slave. So it has this idea of freedom. Lutrao builds on that basic concept, and it means to secure freedom by payment of a ransom. So if you picture a family whose child has been kidnapped and they say, hey, you need to pay a million dollars or your child is going to be killed, and you pay the million dollars and your child is set free, you have ransomed that child. You had set him free by payment of a ransom. And so Peter is looking at his salvation. And he said, I was set free, not by something like silver and gold. Do you realize that would have been nothing for God to say, oh, let's pay for your sins with a billion dollars of gold. All he would have had to do is create the golds for the payment. That wouldn't have hurt God at all. He ransomed you with the only thing that could infinitely hurt him. And that was the death of his only son. You weren't ransomed with something like silver and gold that's going to be here today and gone tomorrow. You were ransomed with the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, Peter goes on to say something that's even more remarkable. In verse uh, 19, or actually verse 20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the, the earth. I want you to realize something. Before God even created the heavens and the earth, he knew that we were going to sin. He knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin. He knew that you were going to be born one day and you were going to sin. He knew that I was going to sin. And yet he went ahead and created us only. 
Not only that, but before God created the heavens and the earth, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit already agreed that Jesus would, and Jesus at that point was the Son of God, would, and is forever, by the way, Jesus would need to die in order for our salvation to be purchased. Peter is saying, wow. Not only was my salvation purchased by the blood of Christ, but God actually planned for my salvation before he even created this world. So the point is, before God created us, he knew we would sin. Before we created us, he was already planning over our salvation. Before he created us, he, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, had already decided that the Son, the Messiah, must die. So bottom line, how do we live in these crazy COVID times? You know what? Nothing has changed that's important in your life. You are still a child of God. Your sins are still forgiven. You've still been given the Holy Spirit. You still have an inheritance in the future that will not fade away. You have a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Your life is still on the path that God has for you. But here's the thing I think Peter wants us to know. Of course, it's easy for me. I'm 70. I, my warranty is up. So I don't know how much time I have. I could die tomorrow. I could live for 10 more years. I don't know. But the reality is if you're 25, the same truth is evident for you. You don't know if you're going to die tomorrow, if you're going to live for another 10 years. You don't know. And so Peter is saying, hey, we need to treat our lives as a precious resource to be invested for the kingdom of God. Are you influencing people for the kingdom of God? Are you using your resources, your money and your talent, your time? Are you using those things for the kingdom of God to build up other believers and to help people who don't know Jesus come to faith in him? My prayer is that you're going to take some time today to figure out what does it mean for me to conduct my life in fear during the time that I have left on this earth. Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would open our eyes to what you want us to see. I pray that we would live today in a way that reflects the priorities of the kingdom of God. I pray that we'd learn to be careful how we walk. And I pray that you'd use us mightily for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Steve, thank you so much for bringing that message. And as we kind of move towards our response time, we want to invite you. Feel free, if you're meeting with a small group of people or with your family right now, take some time to pray together in response to the message. Take some time uh, to take communion. Take the bread and the juice, which represents the body and the blood of Christ, which was shed for you and I in order that we might be brought into this new covenant relationship with God. And so we invite you to participate in that together. We also invite you to respond through giving. And you can give as part of your worship through the website or through the app. And we invite you to participate that way as well. And finally, we just want to say we're looking forward to seeing you at 430 at the Baptist Church today. 
come join us. Feel free to click on our events page uh, online, and we look forward to continuing to celebrate Jesus together this afternoon. We love you guys, and we'll see you soon.